advisory to those who are not animal lovers, open to new ideas, or interested in integrative holistic healthcare for your pets, and believe that prescription diet is the best food for your pet. This podcast may offend your sensibilities. Have you ever felt frustrated and helpless after listening and doing everything your vet told you to do, but it only made your sick pet worse and not get any better? That's me in 2008 with my first adopted cat, Meow. I did everything the vet told me to do and I realised she wasn't getting any better and only worse. So I decided to look into alternative health options and was drawn to the stories of holistic pet service entrepreneurs and their transformative journey, overcoming obstacles, chasing their passion and creating a movement that has caused a ripple effect of positive change in the lives of their clients and pets around the world. Join me as I share the raw, inspiring journeys of these amazing entrepreneurs, their successes and failures. My name is Amrys Wang, and this is The Raw Entrepreneur. Good morning, everyone. This is Amrys Wang of The Raw Entrepreneur. Today's episode is with Dr. Jean Hovey, a pioneer in cat health. One of the earliest sources I found on the internet about cat health and a partner in crime with Jackson Galaxy. Jackson Galaxy is known as The Cat Daddy, Dr. Jean is the first cat mama. This is her story. Who is Dr. Jean Hovey? Well, little old me. Um, yeah. Well, I was born and raised in sunny California. And, uh, but when I was a teenager, I kind of got the itch to go to Colorado. And, you know, at that time, there were a lot of mu- lot of music was coming out about the mountains. John Denver, Stephen Stills, all these my favorite musicians. And I said, "Oh man, I got to go see this." And I went to Colorado for a week. And the last morning, I sat up on a mountain, took a hike, sat on the mountain, and I could see forever and just range after range after range of mountains. And I thought, "Oh my God, I have to live here." And I had actually dropped out of college and was working. And so I decided that within a year, I was going to move to Colorado. And a year later, I did. And I came, my excuse was I was going to come to the University of Colorado and finish my bachelor's degree, which I did. But I met a buddy and we're still friends. We were college roommates. And you know, we got in a lot of trouble and had a lot of fun. And, and uh, you know, I did a whole bunch of different jobs. The, when I was little, <clears throat> I wanted to be a veterinarian. I mean, little, little, little. But I grew up in the 50s. And in the 50s, a little girl had three choices. You could be a nurse, you could be a teacher, or you could be a secretary. And veterinarian is not on that list. And my, my mom rather brutally put that idea down every time I raised it. So I smushed it way down. I, I just, it was just gone. And then um, years later, I was living in Boulder. I was working as a deputy sheriff, 
for the in the Boulder County Sheriff's Department. Wow. I had days off during the week and it was really fun because then, you know, I, I would get off in the morning and not have to be to work for like two and a half days because I worked nights. So I would go different places. I would go to Southern Colorado or something. And one day I said, I think I'll go to Fort Collins just for fun. It's about yeah hour and a half north of Boulder. And my roommate said, hey, while you're up there, would you grab me a catalog from the university? He had been, he had worked on a dairy farm and he wanted to know what the, you know, they had a dairy science program and blah, blah, blah. And so I did, brought him back a catalog. He looked at the catalog, threw it over to me, said, see anything you want, you like? And I'm flipping through and I see professional veterinary medicine. I'm 30 years old and I thought, damn, that's what I should have done. Oh, why didn't I do it? And then I read the requirements and I thought, and I swear, Bob saw the light bulb go on over my head. I said, why can't I do it now? I can do this now. And I had to do some manipulating with my standing at the university. I had been last been a graduate student, I had to be released from the graduate program and register in a different program. But I, that was like a Thursday, I started my prerequisites on Monday. Wow. The universe just said, go girl. You know how the universe, if you get on the right path, the universe not only opens in front of you, but it shoves you from behind. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's such a cool, cool thing. So I got into vet school and I went through it and it was difficult. <laughs> Kids always say, oh, I want to be a veterinarian like you. And I always want to say, don't even go there. Don't. Because <laughs> <laughs> because it's they, they kind of beat the crap out of you in school. You know, I mean, they, I don't know that they've improved either because you know in those days there was still the boards the national board exam was still mostly about livestock you know and and they and ours was the first class that they tracked in large animal small animal so if you went with the small animal track you would you were going to fail the boards because you didn't learn what you needed to learn about large animals to fail the boards. I mean, the very first question was like, what's the most economically important disease in horses? Oh gosh. I was like, what a fuck? <laughs> what? <laughs> huh? <laughs> totally, I totally gave the wrong answer, but because um, <laughs> I had no idea. They had never talked about the economics of it. And I actually took extra large animal rotations and spent a lot of time, you know, uh, with one of the horse people, you know, throwing questions at us and stuff. So I was better prepared than most. And I did pass the boards, but by that much. Wow. <laughs> so my first roommate in vet school said, you know what they call you at the end of four years if you get straight A's? Doctor. You know what they call you at the end of four years if you get all C's? Doctor. Don't stress it. So I'm still, I'm still type A about it, but I did 
I was able to relax and get a few bees that, that, that was, that was good. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. I think, I think being a vet is probably in my mind, one of the most challenging career paths that you can choose to study because you have so many animal species. It's not like a human doctor where you only have the male and the female human body to, you know, to master and learn. Right. You have so many that, I mean, like, gosh, how many animals are there on this planet, you know, and then you're talking about large animals. And if you're talking about like your national board, that's like agricultural, you know, uh, so you actually have to know your farm, your farming, the the industry and all that. One of the questions on the boards was about anesthesia in fish. Fish. Now, the lab that I worked in before I went to vet school, he did fish. So I knew the answer to that question. About the only question I got right, I think. (laughs) But it's like, I know that. It was a miracle. But it was it was very, it was very hard. And vet school is very hard. And you know, there's at that time I was 1990 and you know, there was so much new information and so science was advancing in leaps and bounds. And so they split up the students so they so they could concentrate on what they actually were gonna do out in the world. But that meant that they didn't teach the other half of it. And, and our class was the first and last class that went through that system because it was so disastrous that a very high number of uh, of my classmates did fail the boards. Wow. So, cause they didn't, they didn't teach us what we needed to know to pass the boards. So, you know, that was kind of messed up, but I got out, I was free. And, uh, but in, in junior year, there was a zoo medicine group that I was in. And uh, yeah, I got to go and sit on an anteater at the Denver Zoo. That was fun. They're very nasty animals. And he was starting to wake up and I was like, try faster. (laughs) But yeah, I got to work on a lot of fun things. But um, there was a, the zoo club was putting on a little lecture panel discussion with three or four holistic veterinarians. And so I went and one of them was actually teaching that weekend, teaching a program uh, in Denver and on homeopathy. And so there were four of us out of the club that went to that. And I think I'm the only one who actually went in to practice full-time holistic medicine. (laughs) But I learned so much about nutrition and it was unbelievable. And, and uh, you know, kind of the, the dangers of over-vaccinating. I mean, if you have a kitten or a puppy, you've got to vaccinate them for the kitten and puppy vac- diseases because those diseases are going to kill you, you know. But, <clears throat> you know, boostering every year, that is just, that's just crap. And it just causes lots of problems. So, you know, so now I have this new mindset, but I'm still in school and, I'm still expected to give chemotherapy and I was like I'm so sorry dog I'm so sorry you know it was it made senior year very challenging because I had a different frame of reference suddenly than everybody else so um and I did I did go to work in a holistic cat clinic 
for five years when I first got out. So that's that was how I managed to weasel myself into this career. <laughs> wow. Just like that. It makes total sense to you when, when you when you started to learn about holistic knowledge. It it got me at the right time. I had always been interested in like herbs and my friend had taught me about flower essences a number of years before. So I was really ripe for it. And it it came in and it made perfect sense. It's like, oh my God, I see what we're doing. I see how, you know, medicine, conventional medicine really has two things, it has drugs and it has surgery. Not much else. I mean, it's got radiation, but that's kind of a surgery kind of thing. So it's got just two tools in the box. It's got a hammer and a screwdriver. Well, in holistic medicine, now you've got a wrench. Now you've got uh, clamps. Now you've got all these other tools. You've got an amazing array of things that you can use when a hammer and a screwdriver aren't going to work. So, you know, mostly holistic vets get cases after they've already been through the hammer and screwdriver school, you know, and neat drugs and surgery didn't work and the animal's still dying. Well, we have homeopathy, we have acupuncture, we have flower essences, we have massage, we have hands-on healing, Reiki, we have an infinite, almost infinite array of tools that we can use to help these animals that have been so beaten down by Western medicine and they've they've had every kind of drug and every kind of thing and there's very little vital force left. Well, we can rescue a lot of them, not all, you know, but we can rescue a lot of them and at least bring them back to a quality of life that uh, that is acceptable, that they're eating, they're drinking, they're interested in watching the squirrels go by, they're, they want cuddles, they're, they're happy, you know, they're happy. And when they stop being happy and they, and they, uh, I have found that the, the animals will almost always tell you when they're ready to go. And I try to honor that. And I have had animals tell me, I'm not ready. It's like, okay, see you next week, you know, but then they have two wonderful weeks, really spiritually connecting weeks with their parent, with their family, and then they're ready to go. And I have so many people tell me that was the most meaningful, wonderful time that I ever had with that animal, you know, cat or dog or snake or whatever, that, you know, that, that just meant so much to have that extra time and really be able to focus on hundred percent on that animal and really bring the relationship to a lovely close it's it's amazing so um I don't know why I went there but no no I you know that that's one of the the beautiful things about um using holistic modalities I find uh, especially when you're doing palliative care um you, it's like you're easing the soul it's not just the physical body but you're helping the soul of the animal you know transition in a, a much more peaceful way you know yes um i usually find that they're a lot more lucid you know compared to like if you're bombarding them with painkillers and stuff and 
usually yeah. I mean like they're so drugged out you know they, they're not responsive but if you do right. it the gentler way and, and at that point why are you keeping that animal yeah. alive what's the point yeah you know I've I've had to have that talk with a, a whole lot of people yeah because I'm I'm a rescuer, a volunteer rescuer with um about with community cats and dogs here in Singapore, and uh, you know we do pick up palliative cat you know when we have to, and um the number one rule for me has always been quality of life. Exactly. You know, is is how how is the dog or the cat doing? You know, um throughout every single phase of the process when I because we don't have any holistic vets in Singapore by the way. None. Mm. We we have vets who might offer modalities like acupuncture, you know, um, PCM. But when you're talking about nutrition as the foundation of good health, yeah, uh, i.e., no prescription diet. <laughs> uh, yes. I have yet to meet a vet here in Singapore who does that because every single clinic that I've been to, they all sell prescription diet on the shelf. And they will tell you to come for the annual booster shots. You know, uh, very now there are a few that will offer uh, tighter testing. You know, but it's still very conventional uh, approach over here. Very heavy. Yeah. So when I found your website, Little Big Cat, like I don't know how many years ago, it was it was one of those light bulb moments for me. Like oh, oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and I was like oh my gosh. Uh, so much information here, uh, you know, and I, I think, uh, can I just say here, I'm one of your huge, largest fans here in Singapore. <laughs> From a distance, I have admired you for so long. So, you know, um, this interview was um, very exciting for me, can I just say, because it took me a long time to pluck up the courage to even try to approach you. <laughs> That's how nervous I, I was. <laughs> But you know, Here's, I'll tell you something about famous people. We don't think we're that hot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. you know, I, I, I was at a conference a couple of years ago, and I and I ran into Barbara Royal, and I looked at her and and I said, "Oh my, you're famous!" And she looked at my name tag and she says, oh, "You're famous too." <laughs> and we were we were like, "Oh, look at us!" <laughs> but we don't. You know, we're just people in the, you know, we, we take a shower and we put on our clothes and we make lunch and that's, it's the same with everybody. And I know some people get a really big ego about it, but I love to talk to people well, and especially to people like you who are, who are able to spread the message because, you know, money was never my object. You know, we, Jackson and I wanted to, to make enough to support ourselves but we didn't care about making the buku bucks and a lot of people have taken what we started and have gone off and made buku bucks and we didn't but um you know but my thing is get the information out there get it out there put it on the website write an article put it on facebook you know i just want people to know what the options are you know and i don't care how they find them but you know i do my best to blab <laughs> well um, can I just say, you might not think you're famous, but I think my criteria is that you, you're you actually a pioneer in in advocating and spreading the word about, you know, alternative holistic methods in taking care of cats. Um, 
big deal. And call, I, my, my cohort of, uh, of colleagues now, many of whom are younger, but I'm one of the elders of the movement now. And I remember when I was a newbie and now I'm an elder, how the heck did that happen? Really? <laughs> so yeah, people are more impressed with me than I am, you know? Well, I think that's because you're a trailblazer. You, you don't look at yourself, you just keep moving forward. You know, whereas yeah, like for me, I can't just, look yeah, but for me, I see the mountain of work that you've done, you know, over the years. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she's, you, you're like a wealth of knowledge, you know. Uh, so Elder is, is, a, is for you, is, is most respectful, you know, because really not that many people um, talk about what you do and especially cats. I mean, there are a lot more people who talk about dogs, but for that's cats. That's what Jackson and I wanted to do. We wanted to bring cats up to the level of dogs. Cats are second-class citizens all over the world. And we wanted to bring cats up level with dogs. So, you know, you talk about dog behavior. My dog is doing a bad behavior. Well, you call your vet or you call a trainer or you call the Humane Society for advice. Tons of resources for dogs. My cat has the behavior problem. What happens is you don't know there's solutions. So you live with the problem until it's too much and then you get rid of the cat. We wanted to stop people getting rid of the cat because that, that just happens so often. My cat, um, came to me as a as a stray he was a stray and he was getting through the cat door in a friend's house and eating her cat's food and she had three cats with already had some you know personality issues and she said can you take this cat for a few days while we look for his owner and i i'm like okay you know it, it was christmas eve christmas morning i look i go in the I had a room all set up. I was going to foster cats. My last cat had died. I was going to foster. I was all set up. I had a, you know, I had an appointment with the Denver Animal Shelter and we were going to do this whole thing because I could do, you know, medical cases and I, all kinds of stuff. It would have been very valuable. I go in there. I look at this cat and he's skin and bones. His ears have, been, have such severe frostbite that I knew he was going to lose the tip of his ears. And he was declawed. And I thought, I don't give a shinola where this cat came from. I called my friend. I said, stop looking for a home. It was an abusive home. He's my cat now. And his name is Perry Christmas. <laughs> and he is. He is living a good life with me. And I'm so happy that I could do that for him. But he was, he would not, Christmas day that year, the temperature was scheduled to drop to 20 and snow and he would not have survived. He just wouldn't have. So, you know, but somebody, he, he does not use the litter box always the way one would prefer. And somebody just threw him out and said, I can't deal with you anymore. And he was a stray on the streets probably for a year, you know, six, eight months at least, because it, you know, for him to get frostbite that bad, it was, it was, it hadn't have been that cold, you know, that couldn't have possibly happened that year. So, you know, 
but that's what people do. They just live with it and live with it and live with it and then get rid of the cat. And it's the, like, and the cat was declawed and they still dumped the cat outside. Outside. That's cruel. Yes. It, it was horribly cruel. And I, and I felt so lucky to be able to rescue him. And, and I tell you, I'll get a little woo woo on you. My, the last cat that died of mine, I had four and they all got old about the same time. <coughs> but Sundance was the last. And when he died, he, um, I, I am just sure that he sent me Perry because I could see his little paw prints manipulating how this happened because you know he lived across denver from me it was like it, there was no way you know he had a lot of strings had to be pulled to get him to me and they were pulled in the right way and you know and he sat down on the couch so <laughs> wow but you know but it, it's so you know i love how the universe works so and it does it does bring what you need at the right time. So you were practicing as a conventional vet before, I mean, like when you graduated, did you become no, a, I went, or you went I just went straight into a holistic straight practice? Into holistic, yeah. I mean, I did surgery and we had drugs and surgery and things, but we also had homeopathy. We had homotoxicology. We had um, a little bit of acupuncture. We had a little bit of herbs. We had a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a lot of flower essences. Um, and a lot of hands-on healing. I, I was a Reiki master. And uh, so I, you know, crystals, I brought crystals in for some, you know, for really serious cases, I would bring uh, all kind, you know, anything I could throw at them. Wow. You know? That's a lot but of study. Would, That's a lot of learning yeah. that you did. I know. And nutritional supplements. I don't, we have a company called Standard Process. And they make wonderful supplements, but very specific, like one for liver and one for spleen. And, you know, um, their, their dermatrophin is a wonderful for cats with skin allergies. Um, the, the way they make this, they take the DNA out of the nucleus of the cells and they call it protomorphogen PMG. But <clears throat> when the cat eats that, the immune system, for some reason, is attacking the skin, right? Doesn't matter why. So now we're feeding the cat this stuff, and now this DNA is floating around in the bloodstream, and the and the immune system goes, "What? What are you doing in the bloodstream?" Goes attacks that, and leaves the skin alone. Skin can heal. Wow! One of the most amazing things I've ever seen, and it works so beautifully. You know, it's not a cure. You have to keep giving it or the immune system will go back to what it was doing. But it is a palliative thing. It doesn't taste bad. It's easy to get a little tiny pill and um, you can crush it up. It's made of, you know, animal parts. So it's tasty and it's, you know, just that. And like cats with hepatic lipidosis, the fatty liver, they make a product called Livaplex. I have brought cats back from the edge of death with that supplement. Wow. I, I have a friend who practices in San Diego and I did an externship with him my senior year. And he had a dog, a little Scotty that came in for a recheck and he was showing me what was the blood work before. And he said, this is the last blood work. And the liver enzymes were 
sky high, unbelievable. And he, the only thing he did was give Livaplex to that dog. And the next blood work was fine. It was normal. The dog walked into the clinic happy. Hi, how's it going? You know, just to recheck. That dog would have been dead. I mean, so another vet would have said, oh, well, you know, his liver's tanked. Nothing we can do. And with the right nutrition, we could bring them back. That is such an exciting thing, you know, to know that we have all these tools that, um, that we can bring to bear. And yeah, maybe I would have put surgically put a feeding tube into that, into that dog, or, or, you know, I might've done some other kind of intervention, but I was always going to do everything else with it because, you know, I have all these wonderful tools and something's going to work. Wow. Standard process. I've heard about this brand for years, but because I'm in Singapore and you, you have to be, you, you have to have a reference from a U.S. vet that works with standard process to, to be able to uh, like get a prescription and, and um, to, to, to purchase from that. But I've heard wonderful things about that company, you know. Um, so yeah. l- listening to you talk about that, you know, it, it just we're like, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I have an account with them. We should talk. <laughs> yes, we will. We will. Um, so when, when did you start um, Little Big Cat, the website? Oh, that, that, that was just interesting how that happened. The, this was the universe had to work really hard on this one too. I had been living in California and I moved back to Boulder and everybody said, Oh, there's this guy that works at the main society named Jackson Galaxy. You've got to meet him. And I thought, I don't want to meet anybody named Jackson Galaxy. Are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. I don't want, you know, so. And then apparently for six months, all his friends have been telling him, Dr. Gene is back in town. You've got to meet Dr. Gene. And, uh, and. And so at one point we both were at a party or at a gathering uh, at our friend Kate Celesti's house. Kate is a wonderful animal communicator, absolutely fabulous. And she, we did an animal gathering once a month. And at this one, we both showed up and, you know, our friends grab us and put us in, you know, this is Jackson, this is Dr. G. And I, and I'm like, this guy is six foot something, covered with tattoos. And I'm like, oh, really? And, and what came out of my mouth was, we have a lot of work to do together. I was like, what the hell did I say that for? <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> and it, it was true. And we, we, it, it just happened. And, you know, the internet was not, I mean, there was, a, the internet was a thing, you know, but it was still fairly new in 2002. I mean, my first computer was like 1995. So it had only been a few years. And, uh, but I had, I had, to, uh, there was this course, it was kind of like Oh, LifeSpring or Est or one of those, but I had signed up for this course 
about, you know, breaking open your life and doing what you want. Cause I didn't know what I was going to do, you know, and, uh, and I made him come to it and we both went and we, we got it, you know, we got it. And we immediately decided to do the website because well, we wanted to get the information out. And then we're like, well, you can't make any money just posting informational articles. And I said, well, I, I have this thing called spirit essences that I kind of quit doing, but if you want to do all the work, you know, we can revive it. And so we did, and it, it took off. Seriously, it took off big time. And, you know, and then Jackson, um, you know, he, he really lived a kind of a lonely life and he was, you know, doing some internet dating and things like that. And he met a girl in LA and he moved out there. And while he was in LA, because it's LA, he started shopping around the idea for uh, a TV show about cat behavior, like the Caesar Milan ugh, of cats. Uh, I will never say anything good about Caesar Milan, except that Jackson had the idea for cats on, on, on that basis. And he shopped it around and Nat Geo almost picked it up, but they didn't. And then he went with Animal Planet and became a big star. And so we all, you know, and now the word is getting out. It's exactly what we wanted to do from the very beginning. Could you, could you explain um, spirit essences, which is basically a flower essence? I mean, like, how is it made? I mean, like, you know, a lot of people, I mean, like when I first heard about it, you know, I thought, is this woo-woo or what? Because I looked at the ingredients yes, on the woo. label and I just went, you know, should I even bother to try? But because I was, you know, I told myself I have to be open, you know. Um, so I made I made my first, you know, uh, purchase for, for Spirit Essences, but that was, yeah. And I was blown away. I mean, like I, you know, I was gobsmacked at, at, what happened after I applied it, you know, and I was thinking, I looked at the portal, I'm like, for real? Is this for real? <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you know, because really it is woo woo. There's nothing in there, you know, that's not, it's not like herbs that you're getting a physiological effect. But when I was in school taking the prerequisites to go to vet school, I fell in love with quantum physics. And the ideas in quantum physics and the simple E equals MC squared. There's E energy on one side. Don't worry about what C is. M is matter on the other side and there's an equal sign in between them. Energy equals matter. Matter equals energy. They're the same thing. So if you affect the energy, you affect the matter. Simple. So that's, that's kind of the principle, although it took me a long time to really see that, but flower essences have been around since the 1930s. And uh, Edward Bach was a physician and a, and a homeopath, but he thought homeopathy was too complicated. And he wanted to uh, create a system that could be in anybody's kitchen that would take care of of anything because he said, you know, the 
the cause of illness and, and all this is, is, is uh, caused by, he was very religious and he, he, was, he talked about being knocked off your life path. And then you kind of get screwed up in the head and then these other things flow from that. So things flow from the energy to the mental, to the emotional, to the physical. So if you can arrest the process up here in the energetic emotional field, then you'll never manifest the sickness. So that's what he was trying to get to the root of the problem before it became a big problem. So, um, and you can, the thing about being knocked off your path is really interesting because when you look at a cat, what would a cat do? A cat would be born, it would be with its mother for months and train and learn to hunt and eventually go off and start a family and get a territory and all that stuff. Well, we take them eight weeks, rip them away from their mom, put them in a car, take them to a new place. They are expected to pee in a box. They're expected to eat, you know, at the human's uh, discretion. You can't scratch up the furniture. You can't howl at night. You can't do this. You know, you get your sexual organs ripped out. And, you know, that's... Our cats, cats and dogs, have made a bargain with humanity that they will do all of that in order to be our partners. They don't resent it, but it's not natural. Okay, so we already start off with a with a kitten that's already kind of been knocked off his path. So if we can use the essences to rebalance the system. You know, you don't have to put his organs back or anything, but you can still create a good, stable mental and emotional framework for that cat to live a happy life. And, you know, cats don't have a lot of ways to communicate. <clears throat> Their faces are expressive, but it's, they're hard to read. Most people don't get it. And so they have really they meow and they pee and they poop. Those are their forms of communication. So when you see a, a problem in one of those arenas, you gotta say, what's behind this? What's, what is the stress that's causing this? Because cats do not take revenge, although spirit uh, was real close. Um, <laughs> She was very particular and she, she made her wishes known, shall we say, but she did it with pee and poop. So that's okay. Um, but she, uh, you know, they, these are their methods of communication. They can't write you an email. They can't send you a text. They can't put a post-it on the refrigerator. You have to figure out what the stress is, is causing the cat to act out in some way. So that's what the essences do. Now, in the original way of making essences, they pick the flowers and put the flowers in the water, in the sun and let it sit in the sun and the moon for X amount of time. And then that becomes the mother tincture. And then you take some drops of that and you put, you know, really there's nothing there, right? Technically there's nothing there. Now in physics, 
we're learning that water has memory. And there's, I just saw a new article in the last couple of weeks about that. So there's, there are things that happen that we don't have any freaking clue about, right? So, and most of the essence makers still do it that way. Um, but now you can have essences of the Andromeda galaxy or the essence of um, Stonehenge. You know, you can make an essence out of anything. And <clears throat> one summer I go camping every summer in the, in the Tetons, which is a beautiful mountain range about, I don't know, nine hours north of here. And <clears throat> one year I was up there and I, they wouldn't leave me alone. The trees were talking to me. The bugs were talking to me. The plants were talking to me. The flowers were talking to me. And they're like, I was like, what is going on here? So I finally, I took, I took a notebook and I took a chair and I went sat in the meadow. And I said, okay, what's going on here? You know, because I, I was in a plant class years before and I did learn to communicate with plants a little bit. And, but they just were so, ugh. So I put my chair down and I opened the book and I'm like, okay, who wants to be first? And these carpenter ants started chewing on my feet. I was like, <laughs> and I picked up the chair and I moved it and I, and way far away, still ants and they sting, they bite, they bite hard. And I, and after about the third time I said, oh, you want to be first. <laughs> What do you have to say? And they told me what they, what they, the message that they wanted to convey and the type of healing that they could do. And once I wrote it all down, they stopped biting me and just wandered off. I mean, it was the weirdest thing. So then I, then I'm like, okay, Huckleberry Bush, do you have something to say? Pine tree, lodgepole pines, fir trees, what? um you know wild rose what do you got to say and i got so many messages from them then i came home and, and meditated on i was sort of given a a procedure you know to to make them it was a ritual to make the essences and then and then i learned about rife frequencies so now I use Rife and Sangiovini frequencies to make the essences. And it's, it's just weird because there's nothing there. You know, it's water and, and vodka. And then you put the memories in the water. How do I do it? Just, it just works. I mean, it's not any weirder than putting a flower in a bowl of water and expecting that to do something but you know so i have grand teton essence and lee lake essence and you know it's just, it it's been a very interesting journey i'll just say that yeah i mean you know just listening to this it, it just wow it's like it fills me with a lot of of a lot of love you know um what 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 you did and 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 how 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 you received that knowledge because, uh, you know, um, like I said, um, 
spirit essences was truly, truly the very first holistic modality that I ever purchased, you know, with no, no clue, you know, what to expect, just the word of Jackson Galaxy and, you know, the website saying like, you know, this is for what? Try it, you know? Um, and then when I, when I got the bottle and I tried it, and I got Peacemaker. Uh, mm-hmm. I had, um, I had the, you know, the, the bully, the solution, you have the three in, in three in one for, you know, cats fighting and all that politics, right? So I got that one and I, I was just blown away by, you know, suddenly like, cause I'm a rescuer. So I get lots of cats from all around and, you know, um, obviously, you know, I don't live in a very big house. I live in a flat, which is just under 800 square feet, very mm-hmm. tiny. Um, so, you know, just having three cats, four cats, that's already a lot of tension, you know, you know, in a confined area, I don't even have a balcony, you know, (laughs) so, you know, doing, using the essences, it, I just noticed there was a change, a very immediate change in, in how, you know, the energetics, you know, yeah, and I, I was like, is this for real? You know, and I, I was like, hmm, you know, so I stopped for a while to see what happened and then things mucked up again. And then I went, okay, let me try again, you know. And then I, I said, hey, okay, it's working again, you know. So I I think since for I've been using uh, spirit essences for so long, you know, since then that was like yeah. the number one. Um, holistic modality that I ever ever use and what I love was that you know I could get it online um, I, I, I'm i not a very um, smart but I'm not very intelligent when it comes to using the internet so to me being able to just even order it online and bring it over you know to Singapore it was a huge deal for me <laughs> yeah, that is a big deal you know? I wouldn't know how to do it <laughs> So I, I mean, like I used it for years. I mean, like even, even to the point when, um, you know, then he changed the bottle and the label and everything, um, you know, but that was the very first um, holistic thing that I took a leap of faith. And, and I remember since that very first day and I looked at the label and I just went, you know, in my head was this Dr. Jean Hovey, you know, who is she, <laughs> you know? Who is this crazy person? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, like, what magic do you have that, you know, created this wonderful solution? And I, you know, it's like, yeah, ever since then, I was in love with you. I mean, like, I've had this long love affair from a distance with you for so long. You have no idea, you know. Oh, it's seriously, I mean, like, I, I would even, like, recommend. That, it, was that, it was that four in the morning. <gasps> I got to do this. You know, and when the when the universe does that, pay attention. Yeah. No. <laughs> because you know that it's the right thing when, when that happens. You know you gotta do it. Right? No, you're you're a very special lady because you actually open your yourself to the universe. I mean, like you really do. Not not a lot of people, I mean, like especially because you're technically trained as a vet, you know, uh, in the sciences. So it's very left brain uh, as it is. Very very left brain. It, it was a real challenge to to get my left brain to even talk to my right brain because the left brain was like I don't want you to do anything whoa, whoa. you know but eventually you know I, I had some therapy and I did some you know some interesting um, programs that that allowed that 
and I had a wonderful energy worker healer who, um, let me just give you a quick example. One morning I woke up and my body was bent in a C, like a C like that. And I was in such pain and it was like, oh my God, I, what is going on? And I basically my left brain said, you want to screw around with the, you want to screw around with that woo-woo stuff? This is what I can do. Left brain controls the right side of the body. And it just went. <laughs> well, I had an appointment with my, a phone appointment with my healer that morning. And I said, I think my, I think this is my left brain. And he said, yes, it is. And he, he said, uh, uh, let me work on it and get them talking to each other. And, and uh, that set me straight, you know, like I was able to stand up after that. And, you know, I mean, I was still sore for a while, but he got the two sides talking and, and said, you know, when your left brain starts getting wound up about this, you know, go do something left brain, go read a neurobiology article or something, you know, and satisfy the left brain, you know, so that it will let the right brain do its thing. It's because I am, I am a, a nerd. I'm a geek. I'm a science geek. I mean, when I was studying for my, my, my physics midterm is December and I live within walking distance of the campus. So my, all my study buddies that we were supposed to have a horrible snowstorm. So we all got together at my house so that we could just walk to school in the morning. And they're all over there studying and I'm reading a book by Einstein. It's like, cause I was so fascinated. It's like this, I, I have to know this, you know, it was a quantum universe, something or other thing. It was, you know, I was just so fascinated with it, but it gave my left brain something to do. And also let my right brain speculate of what it means, you know, so that I have a lot of fun with that. Yeah, you're, like I said, you're a very special lady because to get the left brain and the right brain to, to work together and do what you do, it's not easy. It, it really no. isn't easy. No, it has caused a lot of problems. <laughs> um, when, are you still practicing? Oh, no more. Not really. I'm, I'm mostly retired in, well, I met Jackson in 2002. And in 2003, I developed congestive heart failure. And I had to stop work as a vet. And I, at that point, I was just mostly writing. And then I've, I've gotten consulting work from several companies. Um, I formulate products for them, you know, and things like that. So you know, and I'm on disability and that pays the bills. So I just get to be however woo-woo I want to be. And then I get to read something really left brain to shut this guy up. And <laughs> but I've learned to balance the two over the years. And, uh, you know, so I, you know, I, I live in a little mountain town called Jamestown, Colorado. And there's 200 people here. And I have a feeling that that number actually includes dogs. <laughs> um, not very many of us. 
And, you know, if my neighbor's, like my neighbor's cat had something and my neighbor's dog had something. So I take care of, I take care of the town animals. There is a real vet who works up here who also, you know, if I say, no, she needs medicine, then Lisa comes and we, you know, we work together. Um, but, uh, you know, if it's something that needs homeopathy or something or, you know, I could, I could do that. I, for a couple of years, I was working with a chiropractor in Denver and I would see all her new patients and, um, and that was fun, but I don't, it, I can't do anything that's that physical, you know, I can't be, you know, on my feet 10 hours a day or, or, you know, picking up 50 pound dogs is not going to happen. So I have to take care of my body, but I'm really in a good, I'm very stable my heart is very stable. Um, I'm already five years past their outermost prognosis. So it's like heart failure. Well, <laughs> I was just going to say, you look good. You know, uh, you, you have a glow about you, you know. Uh, I, feel, I feel fine. You know, I'm, I'm limited physically more than I used to be, but I feel good, you know. The, the, and that's where... You know, drugs and surgery. I have a, a pacemaker uh, shock device implanted. Mm. So if my heart goes completely wonky, it'll shock it back into a rhythm. I take five or six heart medicines, but then I also take standard process and I also take this and that, the other thing. And I take, you know, I do homeopathy and I do flower essences. I do all of it. So I'm in a really good place and I plan to keep going for a while. Uh, that that's that's what I love about it when people actually use both, you know, the Eastern and Western philosophies, you know, yeah. um, together. Integrative, integrative medicine is yeah. where it's at. That yeah. is really that. That's my favorite word, actually. Integrative. You know, um, a lot of people don't realize that they're the best of both worlds. You just have to know how to use them and marry them because truly, you know, everything is part of the world if you know how to use them on both sides you yeah what's the word you get a bang for your buck you know <laughs> yeah well and i know you know the classical homeopaths and i actually failed that class i learned what i needed to learn but i didn't but i failed the test because my brain and richard pitcairn's brain do not work on the same operating system i'm a mac he's a pc <laughs> But, but I learned what I needed to learn. And then I learned homotoxicology and a whole bunch of other things. And the classical homeopaths, they give one remedy at a time. You can't do anything else. You can't, you know, and the animal is still suffering with this, whatever it is, until they hit the right remedy and it starts to work. And yes, homeo classical homeopathy does miracles. If I have a cat with a cat bite abscess, and I know that the absence is going to rupture and release the pressure. And I give it a remedy to help that along. But, I, but it's Friday afternoon. And that cat is going to suffer until Monday. I will give antibiotics because I'm not stupid. <laughs> you know, I cannot explain to that cat this remedy is going to take a few days to work. So you're going to hurt bad over the weekend and then it'll be fine. But I can't tell that cat 
why I'm expecting it to suffer for days while I screw around. And so that's not okay with me. I do like Western medicine for its instant gratification. <laughs> you know, you give an antibiotic, they're gonna feel better in 24, 36 hours, you know? Or you give, you give a short course of steroids. Now I don't like long-term steroids that too many side effects, but you know, if you have a serious inflammatory problem that a few, you know, three days, five days of prednisolone is gonna make them feel so much better. That's what I do. You know, I'm not a purist of any kind and I mix and match and it's a beautiful thing, you know? You say you're not a purist. So when you started this path that you, you know, you've been on, did you get a lot of resistance from your peers? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. But, but they were not my peers anymore, really, you know? There's Denver at the time was a real hotbed of, of uh, holistic. And we had a little Rocky Mountain Holistic Medical Association that I ran for a few years. Um, that we had six or eight vets just in Denver that were holistic practitioners. So I just didn't, you know, I, I didn't associate with the other ones. You know, we had a group, a very supportive group, and uh, and I didn't need anything else. You know, I did have one doc at the emergency clinic that when I first started working, my boss said, okay, I'm going to uh, a spa for three weeks. You're on your own. Well, I've been out of school for two weeks. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. And, uh, and I got a cat in that was just really, really, really sick. And uh, he was, turned out he was in diabetic ketoacidosis. Skinny black cat, no reason for diabetes, but he was sick, sick, sick. And so I would call the emergency guy at night. His name was Carol Lawyer, and he is the most wonderful man in the world. And we became very close, but I would call him and he's a cardiologist and he, but he would tell me, okay, here's, try this, try that. Call me if that doesn't work. He walked me through so many cases and so many emergencies while, while my supposed mentor was gone. <laughs> you know, it was just, you know, uh, but he was open to what I was doing, you know, he had the medicine piece that I needed to know, but he was fine with me doing all the other things. And it was a beautiful synthesis. And so my, just my starting out in the field was really a pretty good experience. <clears throat> so, uh, but I really only worked as a full-time practicing vet for about six years wow. before my heart got me. That's right. You're based in Colorado, yeah, which is the land of CBD. Well, it wasn't then. <laughs> yeah, but, but it is now. yeah, you know, it's, 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 yeah, it you know, it's, it's famous for holistic, uh, a very holistic approach to, to, you know, medicine and, and the attitude, yeah. you know. Yeah. I think that's why the universe taught you to, to plant your, plant your roots there. Yeah. Well, it's a beautiful place. I just, this is where I feel comfortable, but uh, yeah, 
I mean, the universe had to work pretty hard to get me here and and have my roommate want a catalog and have me turn on the light bulb and go to vet school. I, I graduated vet school. I was 40 years old. Wow. So let me tell you, it's never too late to do what you need to do. Yeah, you know? I was just going to say, because I was not the oldest person in my class either. There were two people older than me. One gal started when she was 52. Wow. Started when she was 52. And she is still practicing. So, you know, that's 25 years ago. That's amazing. So, yeah. that That's amazing. You know, I, I, I love this mentality where, you know, you don't let your, your chronological age be an obstacle in your path when you're, you're, when you're finding your, your calling, you know. Um, a lot of people actually do. That's why I said you're... You're, to me, you're a superhero because, <laughs> no, truly, because, you know, um, someone like you, as they call it, a late bloomer, you know, um, switching career, you know, just like that. And going back to school, I mean, it's such a painful, the, the idea, if you would ask me, you know, to go back to school and to go back to vet school and do everything, you know. Um, it was painful. Very, very painful, mentally, physically, you know, um, not financially almost, yeah financially not not many people are willing to do that you know um so i i just you know looking at you and your and, and your life journey i'm just going wow you know you know this this lady has some superpower because you know what you know to propel you you know what would you say is that 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 core that that moved you to, to bulldoze through all those uh, mental blocks, those barriers. I would have to say angels. You know, I mean, I listen. I listen to what I get with God, universe, angels, Kawabanga, Shiva, anything. I listen. And when they tell me to do something, I do it. You know, and if and if I think I have an idea, I start down the path. And if it's the right path, doors open. It's amazing. When I decided to go to vet school, I mean, that was an impossible situation. It was impossible. That wasn't going to happen. I was a deputy sheriff for Pete's sake. <laughs> but have I, had I not been a deputy sheriff and learned that I can deal with pretty much anything. If I can wrestle drunks in the garage at three in the morning, I could do anything. Vet school is a piece of cake after that, right? Mm. So yeah, and in fact, in vet school, there was one, I was on small animal medicine and the clinician says, well, we got the, we got, we got the, the people coming in today, you know, we got the, we got the Berkeley people coming in today and that they have this dog and, and the Berkeleys are very difficult to deal with. So who, who's good at dealing with really difficult people? I said, me. <laughs> I said, if I can wrestle drugs at three in the morning, I can handle the Berkeleys. So, you know, and I handled them and they loved me and we got the dog taken care of and it was fine, you know. Most people go to vet school because they love animals and they don't like people. 
And what they don't realize is that every animal comes with that people attached. So you have to be good with people to be a successful veterinarian. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's, you don't have to love everybody. You don't have to adore every client, but you have to be able to deal with the difficult ones in a compassionate way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so everything I did up to going to vet school prepared me to do that, you know, that's to beautiful. deal with crazy people and, and uh, you know. Yeah, that's amazing. What would you say was, you know, um, the most challenging experience you've ever had that you had to overcome? Three days in the cardiac ICU, I think. When my heart went kaflooey, I was... It was funny because Jackson and I had done a cat show and we were packing up and I was, you know, we were going to put the table in the car and it's heavy and I tweaked my back. And uh, so I spent the next three weeks kind of lying on the couch in pain and lying down all that time, my lungs filled up with water because my heart wasn't pumping right. And as time went on, I thought I was using my inhaler because I couldn't breathe. And at the time, there were some wildfires in Colorado and there was ash falling on my backyard. And I thought, oh, it's asthma, but the inhaler wasn't helping. So then I ended up sleeping, kind of sitting up in a chair so I could breathe. And the next morning I'm walking through the kitchen and I can take three steps and then I have to stop and catch my breath and I thought, huh, this is probably not a good thing. So I drove myself to the ER and, and she said, <laughs> they run a few tests and the doc says, well, you have congestive heart failure. We're going to admit you. And I swear to you, thank God for veterinary school because my first thought was, oh, dogs get that. They do fine with medication. So I never freaked out. I was never bothered by it. I know I'm going to be okay, but laying there in the cardiac ICU for three days, that was a problem, you know, and I had just quit my job and I was doing, I was doing some writing and um, I was really doing, I, I was being paid $50 an hour as a medical writer. I was doing great. And, uh, and then all of a sudden I couldn't do anything. So that was that was a challenge to recover from that and find a way to make money and survive you know because when you apply for disability they always turn you down the first time it took 18 months so i lived on credit cards for 18 months which is not a good thing you know but it all worked out it all worked out i got the disability paid everybody off everything was fine so um but but having a physical challenge that severe where I really couldn't do anything I could, you know, I it was weeks before I could take the dog for a walk around the block. You know, it was just, that was rough. That was rough. And I, I knew I was going to come through it. So I wasn't scared or anything, but it was like, that was, a, that was very hard. And I had to learn that, uh, you know, like when, one day, you know, I was feeling pretty good. I went, I went for a little walk 
And then I went to Walmart or Kmart or whatever it was, Target. Uh, you know, but big store that I had to walk around in. And the next day I was like flat. I couldn't do anything. And I called my cardiologist and said, well, I went for a mile walk and then I walked around the store and I can't do anything today. And he said, Jane, you have congestive heart failure. You can't do that. You're going to get tired. It's like, oh, okay. I, I'm not very good with putting up with the limitations, you know, because if I want to do something, I'm going to bloody well do it, you know. So, but sometimes I, sometimes there are roadblocks and sometimes you can't do things when you want to or the way you want to. But, I, you know, if I want it bad enough, I'm going to find a way to do it. I think... Yeah, I, I would imagine with, you know, with such a prolific brain of yours, always thinking and always wanting to do things, um, to be physically incapacitated like that, um, you know, where suddenly your brain, your body is not working they're together, not, they're not in they're sync, not, you know, yeah. your body's not running when you're thinking, run, 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 and, it's, and your body's saying, I can't run. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my brain has all these great ideas and my body says, I think you should lie down on the couch. <laughs> wow. I mean, that, that must have taken a lot of mental discipline, I think, to, to really rewire, you know, like get your brain to, especially your left and right brain to like work together with your body, you know, to, to, you know, to get used to the new ecosystem, so to speak. Yeah, that's, that's, that continues to be a challenge. But now at least I, if I go to town, you know, where I live, if I forget to buy milk, it's a 30 mile round trip to go get milk. Wow. So I don't leave here very often. And with, with COVID and everything, I wouldn't, you know, COVID didn't really affect me because I never leave here anyway. But, you know, I would go, if I go out with a list of five things I need to do, I have to be mentally prepared to, to let myself do one or two and then go home because I just can't do any more than that. Last week I went to town, I did all five things. The next day I couldn't move, but I got all my five things done. You know, so it's a negotiation all the time between my brain and my body. We have to negotiate what we're gonna get done. <laughs> wow. Um, you know, you were saying about, you, you have quite a, a close-knit community over there of holistic vets that's very supportive. That's why you never felt um, isolated. I think that's the word. I mean, like there, there are other vets that I know, other, you know, people who, who start out on their own and they usually feel very alone in their journey, you know. Um, well, let me tell you two things. There is an American Holistic Veterinary Medical Association. Anybody can join from any, we have international, we got a guy in Norway, we got a gal in, uh, I think she's in uh, Switzerland maybe. We got people in, the, uh, in Asia. So that's a group, you can always join that group. And then we have a, 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 a very active email list that you can join to get support on cases with that. So if people wanna contact me or contact ahvma.org and they can get hooked up to those resources. 
So, you know, even if you're in Siberia, you can get support. So like there's the Veterinary Botanical Medicine Society. I'm not a, I'm not an herbalist really, but I am a member of that because it has a very active email list and we support each other. And, uh, you know, and now I, I, now that I'm an elder, I know all those people, you know, <laughs> I know all the other elders, excuse me, I know all the, you know, I mean, there's, there's the group that I came up in. Um, Richard Picairn started teaching homeopathy um, to veterinarians in a big class and he taught it in Boulder. So my boss and the, and the other, all the other vets in the area took that class and a lot of came, a lot came in. Will Falconer, there's a whole bunch of people that came in for that. I was in the second class. So those, that, you know, that's probably 50 of us, 50, 60 of us that have now have known each other forever. Wow. You know, and, uh, you know, and some of them are still doing pure classical homeopathy, but, you know, we run into each other at conferences. It's like, oh, it's wonderful to see, you know, I mean, it, there's just so much love there. There's so much love in this community. It's, it's quite extraordinary, you know, and I wouldn't hesitate to call any of them and they don't hesitate to call me. You know, we, it's still after 25 years, it's still a really close, close group. Ah, oh, that's amazing. There's hope for the world. There, there really is for people. There like is, yeah. You know. Um, I remember being a, going to San Antonio for a homeopathy conference. And, you know, it's it, flying in an airplane is always, there's always a little trepidation. And coming back, I was like totally comfortable coming back on the airplane because I thought there's no way the universe is going to take out 20 homeopaths at once. It's just not going to happen. And we landed in Denver and everybody was fine. So, <laughs> you know, but it's, you know, I, the universe has some, has some respect for that, you know, um, but, but we are also very positive people. We're positive thinkers. We think outside the box or we, we're thinking inside a very big box or something. You know, we, we have, uh, I th it's just such an amazing group that came up through the, kind of through the ranks and this core group. Um, and we're all still in touch, which is a wonderful thing. Of all your of all the holistic modalities that you've learned and you know which one would you say do you have a personal favorite that you like <sighs> hmm. kind of depends i mean the one i use most often probably is flower essences you know or and homotoxicology which is a form of homeopathy it's a in, in classical homeopathy, you find the one perfect remedy. So it's like a sniper rifle. But if your aim is off, that's, then you don't get a result. Um, homotoxicology is combination low potency remedy. So it's like a shotgun. You aim a shotgun, you're going to hit something. You know, so that's what I, my cat is on that right now because he's, he's got some urinary issues and, you know, 
and I take it for myself for, uh, for some reason, the, the mountains here think it's spring. And so there's, I've, I've been sneezing like crazy with allergies for a week. So I use homotoxicology for that. I use Reiki every night without fail. I will put you on my Reiki list and you will get Reiki every night till the day I die. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I, I guess I, if I had to pick one thing, it would be Reiki because I don't need to bring anything. I, I am Reiki. I have it. It's here all the time. You know, I don't need to go find a remedy. I don't need to go find a book. I don't need to, I don't need to find the pellets or the liquid or, you know, Reiki is just always there and it is wonderful. Oh, that's amazing. That's beautiful. Yeah. Cause I've been, you know, uh, sort of like learning how to meditate the last few years and, and especially this past last year and this year with COVID and everything, you know, you, you suddenly have a lot of more free time <laughs> when, when, when you're not supposed to be moving anywhere, you know? <clears throat> so yeah, I've actually spent more time this past last year on my own personal self-development, which Good. I'm very grateful because, yeah, you know, because I, I have such a, um, I'm such a terrible person. I'm lazy, you know. <laughs> I, I've got yeah, such a terrible. <laughs> I am. I am incredibly lazy. <laughs> so I, I took last year and, and 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 you know this year to to really try and whoop myself into shape, both physically, mentally, and and emotionally. So. Uh, when you talk about Reiki, you know I I sort of resonate with that because you know I've been I've been reading up about um, pranic healing, energy oh. energy work. Uh, so it's been you know very fascinating. And when you talk about quantum physics, you know um, energy, you know you uh, you you you're talking the love language with me <laughs> right now. <laughs> Right behind your head, E equals MP squared. Yeah, exactly. You know, so you know, it's like um, you know, it's like you're 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 singing very beautiful words in my in my ear right now. You know, or, or whatever whatever you're sharing today. Um, I think we are very much in sync. We're very connected. You know, so it's like you know, it's like wow, my heart just keeps you know getting swelling up with with so much love. You know, I'm just listening to you, and I'm just thinking like, I am so blessed to have been able to speak to you, you know, it's like, uh, oh, my pleasure. It's all my pleasure. You, you're, you're such an amazing lady, you know, um, you know, your whole, wow. I mean like you're 67 this year. Yeah. So in your 67 years, you know, of life, you know, what would you say you're most proud of if that's the right word or, you know, uh, you know, in your entire journey today? <sighs> well, there, there were two moments that really, really kind of made the whole journey worthwhile, you know, because there's two things I'm really passionate about. One is nutrition and the other one is decline. I don't, you know, we had to, we had to decline in vet school and every surgery you're going to do you have to go in the night before and watch a movie about it and I 
watched this movie and I thought that is the most hideous barbaric thing I have ever seen. And I was so nauseated, I had to run down the hall and throw up. And um, so I've been against decalling ever since. And I got hooked up with the PAW Project. And in 2009, we did what nobody thought we could do. And we got decline banned in, in seven or eight cities. I get a total of eight cities in California, Denver. Um, you know, it, it's, we've been able to make a big difference. It, seven out of 10 Canadian provinces no longer allow decline. Um, you know, we are, we are changing the world on that. You know, um, veterinarians, very stubborn. It's like trying to do a U-turn in the Queen Mary, you know. It's not gonna move very good. So there's so much inertia in the profession and American veterinarians of all veterinarians are arrogant as heck arrogant their way is the right way and don't tell me you know so i i'm not very fond of those people but we have done so much to end decline in the world that it's just you know i'm very proud of that i learned about decline from you yeah was well, did they do that in singapore um it's not illegal um, there are, I think they call it um, in the vet society here, like if it's medically required, they will do it. But oh, we can't, yeah. you know, um, but um, I would say, I think the majority of vets here that I know of, they will not declaw, you know, um, just because just your cat is scratching your furniture. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised like even like 10, 20 years ago, there have been cases of cats being declawed you know, um, which I think it's very, very cruel. And I think a lot of people don't realize that it's an amputation, you know. Um, they think it's cutting the fingernails. No, it's cutting, it's cutting the bone off here. So you're amputating a third of your cat's paw when you do that. Horrible. They all have chronic pain afterwards. Cats are very stoic. They don't show pain. And you know, if both, you know, if all of, if say you and I, we have an ingrown toenail on one side and one ingrown toenail on the other side, you know how painful those are. So are you going to notice a limp if both feet hurt? No, right? You're going to walk because they both hurt the same amount. So there's no relieving that pain. So cats, you know, they, people don't notice that they're walking different because it's not asymmetrical, but those cats are all in pain. I guarantee you all of them without exception. That's the neurophysiology of it. Um, and there's research coming out now that verifies that. So working against decline has been a big thing. And I'm very proud of the work that we've done with that. And then the other thing that was the best, it, it was my most, sweetest moment I went to a reunion of my veterinary school class I think our 20th reunion and Travis one of my classmates but he was in the large animal you know he was we didn't have a lot of interaction becomes skidding over to to me and he gives me a big hug and this pre-covid of course and he's like 
you changed my life. He read my book on nutrition and he started and diabetes and he started recommending canned food for his patients and he now and now he cures all of his diabetic cats he get he he reverses the diabetes in all you know maybe two don't but i mean it's a huge success rate just by getting them to eat the right thing he doesn't see the urinary problems he doesn't see the diabetes he doesn't see the obesity that we all see it's you know it, so it totally changed how he approaches things and if i can do that for one vet i mean if if there was another vet that changed because of me i would be so ecstatic i mean it's just that just gives me the chills that i can really make a difference for the kitties that's 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 all i want to do well, you, you definitely made a, a huge impact in the way I thought about how I approach cats. Um, you know, uh, just reading the literature that you churned out over the years, you know, um, a lot. it's a lot. It's a lot. It, you know, um, yeah, it's a good thing. I'm a bit of a bookworm. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, you have through a whole bunch of stuff. You know, um, but I, you know, even to this day, when I have cat friends who are, you know, uh, switching over or, or learning more about the holistic, you know, modalities and nutrition, especially because I'm a raw feeder. And, you know, even for my community cats, we feed a mixture of commercial wet canned food and raw. You know, it's, it's based on economics for us as well and convenience. Sure. Um, but even with, with when I work with low income pet owners, you know, I, you know, I, I try to steer them away from kibble if possible. You know, um, and if they really can't afford to change, I, I keep encouraging them to just freshen up the bowl at least because cats, I keep telling them, they don't drink enough water. And we had one case where um, this low-income family, they had, their cat couldn't pee. It was a, it was a boy and he was on dry food, obviously. Um, so he spent about less than a week at the vet clinic and, it, and they were shocked at the vet bill because they don't earn a lot of money. And to them, like a thousand plus dollars was a lot of money for them. You know, they've, that's a lot of money to anybody, really. You know, and and they had to sell some of their possessions to literally pay off the bill. Right. I mean, the guy, I think he, he sold off his fishing rod. You know, right? The and people, it's really hard to get people to understand that investing in good food now is going to save you a thousand dollars because they don't see that thousand dollars going out. But if they spend a few more dollars a week on canned food, yeah. they're never going to have those problems. Yeah. So you know? I think I think um, that very expensive lesson for them really sunk in. So from ever since then, they actually don't really feed dry food anymore. They feed a mixture of canned and home cooked or you know home prepared. Because I was teaching them like you know life hacks because I know they don't earn yeah. much. You know, so I said, you yeah. know, when you're in the kitchen and you and you're cooking, <laughs> give your cat the scraps. <laughs> share, yeah, just, just share it with them. They, share. You I'm know, let's say don't give table scraps. I say share. Yeah, share share your you know, food. Sharing is not table scraps. Your your dog is not a garbage can. Don't give them the crap. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you, but sharing that's good. Yeah. So like yeah. for them, because they're not 
very well educated. I don't use the word bone broth because they don't understand that word. So I usually say, you know, chicken soup. <laughs> exactly. Put a whole Perfect. chicken inside, you know, put your ingredients, say minus of the onions, you know. But other than that, I said, and a, a, just a little bit of sea salt, but, you know, just keep it simple. And then you just give them some of the flesh, some of the, some of the, the liquid, you know, yeah. Bob's your uncle, you know. So... <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 we try to give, uh, especially low-income parents, the opportunity because we know, you know, they're the ones who actually have usually um, the lowest education, you know, the lowest economic opportunity to, to really break that, you know, yeah. to earn money. But they love animals. And unfortunately, they don't usually sterilize because, hey, they can't afford it, right? So we usually try to work with them um, in sterilizing the cats, if they will work with us, we'll say, you know, if you can afford to pay a little bit um, for transport, because we we realize we can't just give everything free. Because when you give everything free, they take it for granted. If you get them to pay a little bit, they have a bit of skin in the game. They have, yeah. they have you know, an, a vested interest in what's going on. And they can take pride that they, you know, contributed to, to the care of their cat. Yes. So, you know, what we try to do is like, hey, if you have cats, you let us know, we'll, we'll help you sterilize. But if you can chip in a bit, even if it's $10, you know, $5, $10 for transport, that would really help, you know. Yeah. Um, and I'm talking about Singapore dollars, so that's less than five US. <laughs> you know, it's a couple of bucks really in US dollars. Um, but we, yeah. we, we try to, to make it as accessible as possible you know, for them. And then we teach them about nutrition, you know, and as say like, you know, these doom nuggets, they, they will cause so much problem for you, you know, in terms of vet bills. And we say, you can't afford vet bills, you know? So try, yeah. try, try to feed them a little bit better because you love them. They're your babies, you know? So that's what we, we do a lot of the time now is education, you know, trying to reach out to, to these people. Um, we don't get all the time. They might not listen, you know, but hey, you know, we just have to keep... Getting it out there. We just have to keep talking. So, you know, one of the things that uh, my volunteers and I, we enjoy doing is like, as we feed the Comcats, you know, we're out there downstairs. We, we like to talk to, to residents to share stories and, you know, what we're doing because they're always very curious about, what are you feeding the cats? Because they realize we don't feed dry food, you know. So uh -huh. we'll always tell them, oh, it's a bit of raw, a bit of eggs, a bit of, you know, eggs? You mean cats can take eggs? Yes, they can take eggs, <laughs> you know. <laughs> So yeah, it's it's baby steps, you know, in terms of education, um, yeah. and you know, like I said, little big cat, your website is it's just a game changer for me. Um, all those years, I mean, like seriously, it uh, you opened my mind. Uh, yeah, I mean, like to me, you're like one of my mentors, you know, uh, when I first started this journey. I'm happy to do that. <laughs> seriously, um, but. Which leads me to this question, who inspires you? What inspires you? Oh, gosh. Um, Thich Nhat Hanh inspires me. Um, some of the Buddhist teachers. Um, my teacher is Saima my guru. Um, I'm really moving into a much more spiritual phase. 
of life because um, when you're when you're doing the holistic and you're doing things with energy and stuff, you start to connect to the whole of the energy. Yeah. So like Lynn Taggart inspires me, Bruce Lipton, you know that that can uh, that bring the message of peace and wholeness and the health of the planet and the health of all the creatures on the planet, including people. Those are the people I take inspiration from now, you know? Um, yeah, um, Ming-Yur Rinpoche is a really, really fine teacher. I'm, I'm finding new, new things all the time that, you know, my favorite thing is to go on YouTube and let YouTube suggest things, you know, like Muji or Satguru or, uh, you know, because it knows what I've watched and it says, well, you might like this one. It's like, wow, I never heard of that before. Um, Dolores Cannon, <laughs> I've been watching, you know, just all these beautiful spiritual teachers, because, you know, I think part of what I do is I take the teachings and bring it down to to a level where I can apply it, you know, to the work that I do. So um, I don't know. That's a really good question. Wow, and Dalai Lama. You can't you can't get much more inspirational <laughs> than the Dalai Lama. I've actually had the great privilege of seeing him in person twice. Wow, you know, he is way over there on the stage, way over there. But I was in his presence. I had his darshan. That was just amazing. So, wow. Yeah, yeah. We're getting into you know, like I said, you you're you're singing love songs to me. You know, this whole this whole interview. <laughs> you know, uh, filling my heart, feeling very warm. Um, so. What would you say is like a normal, you know, daily routine that you have to start your day and end your day, you know, because you said oh, you're, you're starting on a spiritual path as well. So, you know, when you wake up, you know, how, how, how do you craft your day? I've really changed that in the last few months, you know, as, as things have gotten crazier, I have been more in, intentional about how I do that. So I have, so I, I get up, I have certain, I, I take a sia, which is, uh, I call it crazy water. It's, um, <laughs> it's hard to explain, but it's um, redox signaling molecules. Anyway, I take a little bit of that. I take my vitamins, I feed the cat because that has to be way up on the list. Then I sit and I have, um, I have angel cards. So I look at, so I pull an angel card for the day and I see what, you know, what is the theme for the day. And then I do, uh, I do EFT tapping. I do a lot of that. Um, and then I meditate or do uh, some kind of satsang, some kind of uh, chanting. I have, uh, you know, kirtan, kirtan chanting and, or, you know, uh, Om Namah Shivaya, you know, <laughs> doesn't get any simpler than that. Uh, 
and then I and then I get into my day and I go check my email and then I'm I have been checking Twitter a lot in the last few weeks, but I'm getting away from now. I I feel like living in this world, I have to be responsible and I have to keep track of what's going on because you know, if there's anything I can do or write to somebody or call somebody that, that would help. Um, but I think we're subsiding on that. And I'm, I want to do, I want to be less and less involved in, you know, Twitter and Facebook. It's like, this, those are just giant time sucks. They've been really interesting and I've been happy to be able to stay on top of stuff that way, but I'm, I'm getting over it. <laughs> understand and so then then i you know i often um i i give my left brain something to listen to you know like like abraham or like you know the dalai lama or something i i put that on audio and then i let my right brain do a jigsaw puzzle or something online that's artsy and i I feed both sides at the same time. Very clever. <laughs> you know? And then I and then it, it takes me a good hour or so to maybe even two to really kind of get myself settled for the day. And then I can do whatever work I need to do. Wow. Or write or you know. Just learn, just learn stuff. I just I love to learn stuff. So I just go out on the internet and say, what? What can I learn today? And the universe guides me. The angels say, oh, why don't you try this? <laughs> you're, you're, like I said, you're an inspiration. You're an amazing lady because, you know, uh, in spite of every, every challenge that the world and universe has put in your path, especially with your health, you know, um, yet you have such a positive attitude. And I love the fact that you're, you're like a sponge. You're always reading and learning, you know, new things. Oh, yeah. You know, it's nonstop for you. It's self-learning, you know. It's, it's this journey which um, I have a huge respect for anyone who does that because, you know, uh, to me, learning is a lifelong journey. If you stop learning, your brain dies. I mean, that, that's my personal opinion, you know. It's like, it's... If, if, I, if I ever get to the point where I can't learn anymore, I'm out of here. Mm. You know, then I'm just wasting oxygen. Yeah. You know, you know, if I can't learn and contribute, why am I here? And, you know, your contribution to cats, you know, way, I mean, like, wow, you're like, you're like mama, you're like really the big mama cat that <laughs> from, from my past. I mean, there's Jackson Galaxy, who is the daddy cat, the big daddy, you know, okay. daddy, yes. but you, you, to me, you were the mama and... You know, the, the, the knowledge share that you have, um, sharing everything, you know, I, you've really changed the way how I look at cats, how I approach them. Thank you. Know, you. Um, I'm so thankful, you know. That's why I believe that, you know, you know um, everything that we do in life, especially the shitty parts in our life, you know, um, they, they help prepare us for the next challenge, you know. Yeah. A lot yeah. of people, and I used to be like that, you know, I used to blame my past for my inability to move forward or, you know, uh, you know, I'll, I'll always blame someone or something else, you know, why I can't do this. And, uh, you know, I'm, I realized like, especially the last few years of like working very hard on myself, 
you know, um, that I have to shift my perspective on things and realize that, you know, the universe is working for me. You know, it's helping me grow, you know, and I have to learn. If I don't learn, I cannot contribute. I cannot move forward, you know. Um, so, you know. Here's, here's what I tell myself every day. Everything is always working out for me. So even if I'm the, in the middle of a giant shithole, <laughs> everything is always working out for me because every single thing, even the crappy stuff I've been through has prepared me for the next step. If I had missed one crappy experience in my whole life, I wouldn't be here who I am now, you know? So it's all a blessing. Every bit of it, every bit of it. And there's, there's a plan and all you do is follow the plan and the steps become clear when you get up to them and just keep going. Oh, you, like I said, you know, you, you've been a mentor. Uh, I'm still learning from you. And I feel, like I said, I'm very, I feel very, very, very blessed to, ha to be able to have this conversation with you. Um, you know, uh, you have no idea what an impact you've had, you know, and, and, and what you're doing to me right now is, you know, uh, well, let, let's keep in touch okay yes definitely i would love that because you you're an amazing lady and you know blessings to you you know and 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 your loved ones you know um and the care that you give to your animals as well i think you know you're you're, you're just an amazing lady and uh you know you can i say you're gonna make me blush no no i i love you i i'm gonna say it i love you it's 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 you know it, it's something that uh you know you, you're just like one of my personal heroes that i've had you know in here for many many years so you know to to be able to to have this connection so with you you're so sweet and i love you too thank you for listening to dr Jean's story look out for dr marcy koski's interview next week Wow, I'm so thankful and grateful that you took the time to listen to this podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could subscribe, download, rate, review, and share this with others whom you care about that may enjoy it as well. Thank you, and remember to be kind to yourself and others. Have a awesome day, everyone.